0: You know, my dad was born in 1924, and that was a difficult era to grow up in. That meant that he went through the Great Depression and some fruit cut times between uh, 1929 to 1933 and a little bit beyond. Unemployment went from 3% to 25%. People were desperate for work and would do anything to support themselves and their family that traveled great distances. so it was. Probably no surprise that about 5,000 workers showed up at the border of Arizona and Nevada to do this silly thing called build a dam. Most of them came with their families because it was a different era, perhaps. They lived in Kent State, so the conditions were not very good. They didn't have water, they didn't have good sanitation. By the way, that, that area is pretty hot. It would be about 120 degrees in the summer but they pulled together for a common purpose it was to build the Hoover Dam which happened to be at, at, at that time the largest dam in the world 725 feet high 1244 feet wide 660 feet thick at the base some of y'all have worked, worked, have worked in concrete 4.4 million yards of concrete big project but because the people were willing to come together and to give their all it literally changed the landscape behind that that a lake was, was formed and then out of that lake today even though the farmers still use uh, the water from that lake to irrigate and it changed the landscape in that area plus there's 17 generators i Hoover moving which makes electricity for three different states: Arizona, Nevada, and California. But it took teamwork. It took uh, people coming together, knowing what their role was, and being present to fulfill that role, to do what their calling was. Some of them poured concrete. Some of them were electricians. There's a lot of things that were going on, going on, and each person had a role to play. If they didn't do their role, that would have never happened. And it's the same for us in the church. It's the same for us here. We're called to go and make disciples of all nations. Think about that. If you tried to do that alone, how'd that work for you? You can get very far. It's gonna, it takes more than each of us. It takes all of us in the body of Christ. That's not a surprise to God. Hebrews uh, chapter 10, 25 tells us, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. God knew. God knew that, that we had, would have a tendency to pull away from meeting together because we want, want to do things on our own. But he also knows that we can't accomplish what needs to be done on our own. The passage that we're going to use today is that of Romans chapter 12. It's a long passage, and I'm going to come back to it in different ways, but this is a powerful scripture. I encourage you this week to spend time in Romans chapter. Beginning at verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we go many, Form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to revenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, your enemy is hungry, beat him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, he will eat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's the word of God for all people. Thank you. So, Chuck Swindoll. Was talking about a house church in a communist country, and the group had come together and they were meeting in the church. And then they heard a knock on the door, and there were two soldiers that came in and they lined folks up against the wall, and, and they said, "And, and they said, hey, if 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 you don't renounce your faith in Christ and leave right now, there will be consequences for you." So a couple of them left, and then over, and then a few more left, and. And then the soldiers, one more time, they said, okay, this is your last chance. If you don't leave now, if you don't renounce your faith and leave, you're working. Take care of you. So a few more left, but there were still some who stayed. They stood. The soldiers went to the door and they locked the door. And they turned back to them and they, and they said, now keep your hands raised in praise to our Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. For we, too, are Christians, and we have discovered over time that unless you're willing to die for your faith, you cannot be trusted fully. That group was completely promised for God. They got overwhelmed. They understood what that song was saying. Overwhelmed by God. By His mercy. They will die for them. Of course, we don't live in that place, right? Soldiers aren't putting guns in our face. Churches are not illegal. But what if our lives depended? What if our very lives dependent on that kind of condition? What would we do? <clears throat> Billy Sunday once said, Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a garage makes you an automobile. Which makes question: okay, so what does it mean to be a Christian? What is it about us that's different? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. because that how you're going to find out what God's word. It's perfect and pleasing to it's it's not going come from conforming to the world, it's going to come from being transformed. So true and proper worship is to offer our bodies, our lives as a living sacrifice. It's not just what we do here. Yes, we come together on Sunday morning. We come together to live glory to God, to be the body of Christ, to build up one another, so that we can go outside of here and then we can live this out in the world. Kit Clapp was doing a study by Bill Highlands. It's called Just Walk Across the Room. Three deeds that I will came up with in sharing. Develop friendships, then listen. What's the second? What's the second? Story. Discover stories. And discern well, what to do with that. That's how evangelism works. That's how sharing the story, our story works. Develop relationships, develop friendships. Listen. Discover the stories. Everybody has a story. And then listen to God about what He wants you to do in this event. That's inside and outside of the walls of the church. Worship is not just what we do here. It's a beautiful thing when we come together on Sunday morning to praise to God. Our bodies as a living sacrifice means that worship is what we do more outside of here. When you look at your life, and when I look at my life, it's my life reflected of God's worship. Am I worshipping God in the work that I do? Am I worshipping God with my relationship with Him? Am I worth That's my living the balance. That's what it looks like. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. So we commit to the larger body of Christ because when we're gone something is missing. It's important that you're here. You're an integral part of the body of Christ. But it's more than that. We worship everywhere that we go. We can choose to live this way. We can choose to live a life life of worship. Or we can choose to conform to the pattern of the world. There's an orange tree farmer in Florida. They had two sons. the younger son was kinda of getting fed up with being the younger son, but he said, Hey, this I, I know, I'm tired of doing this Give me my inheritance, I'm out of here. I'm gonna go have fun for So his dad said, Okay, but gave him his inheritance. He took off, he went out west, got kind of close to Hundred Down, he went out to Las Vegas. He had a good time. He's he was popular there for a while. He had money, right? So money makes you very popular in Las Vegas. But those casinos, they don't Stay in business because people get money and take it from them, right? So over the course of time, the younger son squandered everything they had. And pretty soon in Vegas, I don't know if you've been there, but they have outside his clubs, they have guys in the street who have to hold up a, a pamphlet to try to get folks to come into the club. And that was his new job. He was out of money. And out. So he was he was he was trying to get people to come into his club and he realized that the, the workers on it on his on his father's Orange Street Farm. were better off with him. So he decided he, wanted, he was he's going to leave Vegas and go back home. And didn't have any money, so he had to hitchhike. So he hitchhiked his way all the way to, to, to the to the Orange Orange plant in in, uh, in Florida. Gets out on the road. starts to head into the driveways, trying to figure out what am I going to say to my dad. And he looks up at his dad hit and gives him a big old bear hug because his dad is waiting. He decided to throw him a big party, which upset the older brother, because the older brother, he was, he's been there the whole time, right? He's been doing the right thing all this time. He said, what? This brother of mine went and blew everything that he had, and you give him this big old party for coming home. What about me and my friends? He's never given us anything. He said, my son, you're with me always, and all that I have is yours. But your younger brother was lost. He had reformed into the ways of the world. And now he was back. He's been transformed by the rebuilding of his mind. By his home. He belongs here with us. You see, as people, we have an innate desire to belong. We need to belong. Have you ever noticed that even those who are non-conform—Who do God people hang out with? God people. God. The dark. The other God people. What about? Speed. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> speed metal people. You know That's <laughs> Who they hang out with? Other speaking, other people. Who do? Those uh, who love tattoos tend to hang out with? love <laughs> I'm a non-conformist. I only hang out with people like me. <laughs> we have a desire to belong. We, we, and we're, we, we're going to be drawn to conform. The world wants us to conform. Even in our nonconformity, it wants us to conform. So we're we going to choose to be conformed to the way of the world are we going to choose something different? Something bigger, something better, something beyond that. God wants more than that for us. He wants our mind to be renewed. He wants us to live together as the body of Christ. He wants us to be transformed. Transformed is to make a thorough or dramatic change in the form appearance, or, or character of. Dramatic change different than you were before. Scripture simply says, says we are born new, okay? We are a new, new creation. Say, Say, I am a new creation in Christ. I, I am a new creation in Christ. Amen, you are, you are absolutely a new creation in Christ. You are created new. And his love is transcendent, it's beyond anything that we can understand. God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. He loves you. If the rest of us said no, he would love you anyway. He loves each of us. And that love hopefully pushes us out of the comfort zone that we tend to be in and tend to live in, into the zone of living where God is, in a zone of worship, a worship zone. See, in that place, our mind can be renewed. Our life transformed. So how does it happen, right? Okay, that's sounds kind of cool. How do you do that? Well, certainly not on our own. We do it together. But I give you Romans chapter 12. How do you do this? For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you lost. Humility is a critical part of our journey. But for the grace of God, go on. Do not think of yourself more highly than you but Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in, in, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. God has given each of us a measure of faith. Embrace that. Live that out. Don't worry about what somebody else's faith looks like. Worry about what your faith looks like. Be who you are for Him. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And says, each member belongs to one another. You see when you're not here or i'm not here there's a hole it's a missing piece to the body each member belongs to all the others we have different gifts too often in, in our world we, we tend to i you mean, know I'll, I'll try to have to i like i like Cheryl's gifts so of. i want to learn how to write cards and you know, all that stuff so i try to be cheryl and Cheryl tries to be me, how does that work? He can preach. He can preach. He can do anything to take money. But it wouldn't be the same, would it? Because I can in my car like Cheryl, right? And Cheryl can not preach like I preach. Because that's not our role. I guarantee you I can't play know. piano like Sam that. Each of us is uniquely gifted. If, you, if your gift is prophesying, you know what you're supposed to do. If it's teaching, you know what you're supposed to do. It's not even complicated, right? That's part of the body of Be who you are, Paul. Be who you are for Christ. That's the deal. That's the deal. It's not trying to be somebody else, because when we try to be somebody else, we end up lost and we end up in Vegas and we end up broke and trying to come, you know, hitchhike home. We don't need to do that. You need to be who you are. Jerry Brown needs to be Jerry Brown for Jesus. Yeah, you do. Don't shake your head now. You can't be anybody else anyway, man. Be who you are. It is good enough. It is who you're called to be. Live it out fully. That's the deal. How do you do this? Be who you are for Him. Be who you are for him. Search for your gifts. If, if you're not, well, I don't know where my gifts are. Involve other people in that search. They'll help you find them. Yeah, they see you in a different way. They'll help you to see what it is that God has given to you. If it's given, give generously. I just thought since I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to say that. <laughs> if it's to lead, do it diligently. Big you are for him. But he doesn't stop there, right? He goes, well, love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. That means that when we don't like each other, we love each other anyway. But we don't have to do it out of false pretenses. I've been in churches where that has happened and it's destructive. Where you put on your fake smile and your fake face, you know, you know, you know, the stained glass masquerade that it's on the casting crowns we all come and we act like we're all good and all okay and we're not. There you go. It's okay. You're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. So what? Love must be sincere. Hate with evil. Claim to what is good. Ever be lacking in zeal. Passion. Passion for your God. Let him overwhelm you. He wants to. He wants to. Practice hospitality. Then it gets harder. Bless those who persecute you. And because Paul was wanted to just absolutely make sure that he didn't mistake it, he followed it up with bless and do not curse. Because he knew we'd skim by that, right? Bless those who persecute you. Oh, I don't think I got that. Bless and do not curse. Oh, I guess he really meant. It. That's not easy. That's not easy. Is it? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. You know what we're talking about? We're talking about living life together. We're talking about being present with one another. We're talking about not this superficial thing, it's an in depth relationship in the body of Christ. It's who we are. We belong to one another. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not think more highly of yourself than you are. Don't be conceited. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Spend some time in Romans 12. I mean, we could slow this way down and go verse. I could spend a long time in Romans chapter 12. Because it speaks to who we are to be as Christians. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Even saying. Even Claire, Did you declare? Live at peace with everyone. See, if we live at peace, if we do these things, if we live this kind of a life, then people will be drawn to us, actually, they'll be drawn to the Holy Spirit in us, and then people will see God. That's really what we want them to do, is to see God. When we live humbly and harmoniously with one another, seeking whom we may serve, not who may serve us. Who can I serve? So we choose to be present so that we can experience the presence of of the one who created us. So when we're in town and we when we come to church, not as an, it's part of obedience, but it's not solely that. The body of Christ is weaker when we're not here. Now I know there's a few football fans, right? In here. Anybody? <coughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> John Ed. Matheson, who uh, is the author of the series that we're in, ran across this list of reasons somebody wrote about why he won't go to football games anymore. Here's the top ten. Number one, the band always plays songs I haven't heard before. Number two, I can stay home and watch the game on television. Three, when I played when I was in junior high and I disagree with the way they coach now. My parents made me go to football games when I was a child. I'm going to let my kids decide for themselves. Number five, they're always asking you for money when you go to the stadium. Six, sometimes you have to stay late because the game goes into overtime. Seven, there might be someone at the game wearing the same thing as me. Number eight, you know, it's too hot or too cold. Nine, people at the game are unfriendly and don't speak to me when I go. Can they keep changing things? They change the uniforms, the stadium, the plays, the coaches. I just don't like change, so I'm not going to. It. It's kind of ridiculous in the context of football, right? What about in the context of church? It's still kind of ridiculous. How <laughs> I many of us might have said one or two of those things? We actually, this is, this is a true story, at Sugarloaf when we were building an new building someone left because we chose blue instead of red carpet. We left, left the church because we chose blue instead of red carpet. What? Wow. Strong faith. <laughs> chose the strong faith. <laughs> Essence, what keeps you from committing to become a more active part of the body of Christ here at Willis? Think about that this week. And think about it in this way: Is it valid? Sometimes it's valid. I mean, Alyssa was right. Even though she's sleeping now. <laughs> 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 now she's sinking down in her seat for the little <laughs> Sometimes it's you know, there's a reason. There's a valid reason why we aren't able to speak. Sometimes it's a valid reason. But oftentimes, it's an excuse. So that's one of the questions to debate this week for you is, what's preventing me from becoming more active in all this social And mm-hmm. is it valid, or is it just an excuse? Interesting thing, one of the recovery things is I'm a covering group, if you didn't know that, and that really helped me in my life was that if I focus on the problem, the problem increases. If I focus on the solution, the solution increases. And I've tried to live my life more by that. Because in my old life, I used to focus on the problem, and I got stuck because the problem got bigger and bigger and bigger. I identify the problem now and move to solution, and that's a powerful tenet for us in the church and in life. What often determines our action is where we put our focus. So to close with this, picture a brick wall, big old brick wall, and you're standing pretty far away from it. Yeah, it's right there. Right? Can you see it? Can you see it in your mind? Big old brick wall. You're standing pretty far away from it, and you can kind of see the individual bricks, but you can't. I mean, it's blurred. There's different color colorations that you can see a little bit, but you really can't. Distinguish between each of the bricks. But without that wall, the building would come down, right? Now imagine 10 bricks out of that wall. A hole here, 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 a hole here. That's obvious, isn't it? You can now see where the bricks are missing. But more importantly, what's going to happen to that wall? It's going to begin to decay. What, especially for, I I tell you a lot, you're here for someone, someone's here for you, especially those bricks that are around you. If you're not here, the one up above, if there's no support underneath, it's going to weaken. And eventually the wall will fall. And that is what it is like in the body of Christ. We are present so that we can experience the presence of God. But you are important in the body of Christ. And we often think that the preacher is more important than I. Each person here is important in the body of Christ. But so when we come on Sunday, when we we're outside of here. Spend some time in Romans above this week. Read slower than I did today. Maybe taking a verse at a time and a verse of day. a day. Lots. It's meaty with a lot in your